With spring officially here and the final days of winter weather coming to a close, we take a trip down to Richmond, Rhode Island, venturing into Ocean State Spear Guns R&D facility and sitting down with founder Matt Novakovich. What was once a hobby and building guns for friends and family has quickly turned into a business, building guns for folks from around the country and giving Matt an excuse to spend more time out on the water. So today on this episode of the podcast, we venture into the backstory of how he came to be, his approach to the craft, and of course, a few fishtails along the way. I hope you enjoy this episode of the podcast and make sure to tune in and sign up for our newsletter on alongthekeel.com. Check us out on social media and enjoy the show. All right, we are, we're good to go. Awesome. <laughs> Matt, how was the Big Island of Hawaii? Oh, uh, not snowing. Actually, I think it was snowing yesterday. Was it? Yep. It was on, on the top of Mauna Kea, yeah, probably. But it but. was about <laughs> 30 or 40 degrees warmer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned earlier that was your first time on the Big Island, right? Yeah, I'd been a, uh, I've been a bunch to the uh, Oahu, Kauai, Maui, and that was the first time on Big Island. I gotta okay. go back. <laughs> Well, yeah, obviously, right? There's so much to do. Okay. Now, what, what do you think your favorite, I mean, having lived in the Big Island, right? There's so much to do, whether it's Green Sands Beach, spearfishing, snorkeling, diving, what have you. What was your favorite part? The, being on the water, spearfishing. Yeah. Just, that's pretty, I should have guessed that. <laughs> I mean, it was also, it was amazing. It was such a different experience than a lot of the other islands. Yeah. Um, just because how desolate and rugged it was. Because mm-hmm. um, we were on the west side, so just, just leaving just you get off the coast and it's just planes and planes of just boulders for it's undescribable the size of maybe saying it's you're on mars yeah that's what it pretty much looks like it's a it's a special place i feel very fortunate to have lived out there for a Mm -hmm. brief moment of time like you know roughly a year um met guys like you know danny out there danny bolton who was just on Mm -hmm. meat eater um who you mentioned earlier and you know it's a special place it's wild you land and it's like you're totally disconnected from mainland USA, you know? And when I, when I first moved there, it was almost as if there was this huge disconnect. And it was funny because when people asked where I was from, they're like, oh, you're from the mainland. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, that's the States. And I go, what, what, <laughs> what, what did you used to say? What do, you, what do you mean by that? And they're like, you know, America. And I'm like, no, I'm aware. I thought we were all here. No? It's like. No, no. So it's it's cool to see that there's just there that culture has been able to exist despite in a lot of ways it's changed, but despite a lot of things that culture has stayed true. So when cuz you just you just came back, yep. what do you think was your favorite part of being over there this trip? Like I said, just being on the water. We we mm. had a great day on the water. Um just seeing the different marine life. We didn't see many game fish. Didn't come back with that fish picture of me with a Ono or a no? Mahi. No, we didn't see, we didn't <laughs> even see one. Um, we saw a couple of rat tuna, but that's about it. Okay. Um, but we saw a couple species of whales, uh, which was amazing. The false killer whales, right? We got some false yep. killer whales and we got some pretty close passes by um, a couple humpbacks, which is okay. pretty cool too. Okay. Um, even a full brooch, like maybe... 75 yards away from the boat which was pretty wild that's wicked cool yeah it was insane badass Uh uh-huh and we were just driving back to the the marina at the time yeah um and then we got to swim with i got to swim with a oceanic white tip shark which was that's right pretty wild (laughs) that was a lot of fun a little spooky maybe um to be honest with you no i wasn't you think it sounds crazy but i'm used to diving up here in new england which you, you can 
maybe see 15 feet if you're lucky on a great day. <laughs> yep. Um, and it's more of the, the fear of what's out there and the unknown. Right. Um, you're out in, you're out in Hawaii, the water, you have hundred, hundred foot visibility. It's insane. You can see the shark coming literally a hundred <laughs> feet away. Yep. And I mean, we got in the water to see the shark. We saw him from the surface and it was like, all right, you want to jump in and check him out? I'm like, well, I haven't seen much today. So yeah, let's get right. in the water. Let's Why go. Not? Yeah. Um, so got in the water and you just, he, was pretty curious came in really close but mm -hmm. um never was super aggressive and i mean granted they can turn on a dime and become aggressive but mm -hmm. being able to watch him and know where he was at all times really wasn't that worried right so, right as long as you like respect what he's doing yeah he'll most likely respect what you're doing oh yeah he might get curious and try and you know taste you with his teeth but mm -hmm. other than that they're they're pretty they're pretty cool i wouldn't say the right word wouldn't be docile no but you know that they, they just leave him alone yeah no touch. it was it was amazing to see that him and his environment was pretty, mm -hmm. pretty cool yeah absolutely a couple, couple pilot fish along with him which oh no cool. way yeah there you go that's wicked cool yeah it's um the the difference between swimming in hawaii spearfishing and then doing the same here in new england especially in rhode island right hence ocean state spear guns and why we're chatting today um is night and day oh yeah every <laughs> everywhere you go it has its own challenges though I yeah mean, out there, it's the depth. I mean, mm -hmm. everything's just so deep so quickly. Mm -hmm. um, here we we have the temperature, which it's not a not a nice swim in the in a <laughs> yeah. It, was, it usually you're cold. Yep. Even in the summer. Yep. Um, and then we have the the murkiness of the water. It doesn't really get good visibility often. Sometimes you do, especially out of Black Island, you get a little bit better visibility. But, right. Um, even then, you're it's more which is a it can be a good thing if you're trying to mask your movements, but it also masks mm -hmm. the fish too. So. Yeah, and that offers a lot of challenge. Now, when I was out in Hawaii, it was fun because, like, you jump in the water and you're just totally, like, blown away by what you can see. Mm -hmm. You jump off the boat here, you're like, wow, that's a lot, that's a lot of green. Mm -hmm. I wonder what's below me. Yeah, no, it, it's cool. Yeah, no, definitely that happens. There's, you're just sitting there breathing up on the surface, getting mm -hmm. prepared to do a dive. Um, and it's just that green, the <laughs> green color that just goes down, and you're like, yep. I don't know if I'm in 10 feet or I could be in 100 <laughs> feet or it could be a thousand feet you don't really know right um but once you get it's cool i i enjoy the seeing the diversity of the marine life here even mm -hmm. too i mean you're like you sit on the surface and you're like oh it's just sand and rocks under there but you get down there in the in the rocks and you can see the kelp, the different the different species mm -hmm. of uh, marine growth and then like the sea stars and the conch uh the conchs yep on um, the whelks which is pretty cool and then of course the fish which why we're, we're there why we're there yeah. right yeah rhode island i think gets a lot of um it doesn't get as uh, good of a, a rap as it should you know agreed and you, you get down there and the amount of life that you see on the bottom of the ocean is pretty mind-blowing you know yeah despite what people think yeah you know? exactly i mean that was one of my big takeaways when I first started diving. I mean, you don't see too many fish because you're just thrashing around on the surface, just right. trying to get down. <laughs> you get down and you spooked all the fish. But just that was one of the things that drew me in was I was just like, this is a completely different environment. It just that plane of the water, it's just a different world. Mm -hmm. um, just keep on trying to go back a minute at a time. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, exactly. Free diving, that's about as much as you got. I mean, unless yeah. you're a really good diver, yeah. but. But hey, man, I mean, it kind of like it, it keeps you present in the moment because you only have a finite of time to get down there, do your thing, and you can't really spend any time worrying about anything else. Otherwise, right. you're going to run out of air real quick. Right. right. It's a lot of people talk about it being a Zen experience, which mm -hmm. it really is. I mean, I have a million things going on in my life, and but when you're diving, that's 
that's the only thing that's going on. Right. Which is, you can only focus on one thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that kind of brings us to why we're here, right? Talking about Ocean State Spear Guns. Now, you know, growing up as a kid, having talked to you for a little bit and, you know, checking out your shop here, there is definitely and most certainly a, a love for the outdoors mm-hmm. in its entirety, right? Yeah. I mean, we're talking about you hunting deer in your backyard here in Richmond and then also going fly fishing and spear fishing. Mm-hmm. It felt like every time I was like, oh, yeah, and do it's like, oh, yeah, I do that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I build spear guns. I do this. So where did this whole love of working with your hands, being in the outdoors, mm-hmm. where did that all stem from? Really, my dad... Um I grew up in rural Maryland, mm-hmm. um, which again is, a, I always equate Maryland to a, 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 just a slightly bigger Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a large bay we're known for. We're known for seafood and sailing and being on the water. I mean, they're basically the same thing. Shellfish, we were talking about oyster farming. Yep. It, I mean, legendary oyster farming down there, or mm-hmm. historically at least. Um, so I, I really grew up in that environment. Um, I grew up hunting and fishing in the local waters and down in North Carolina. My dad grew up down on the Outer Banks. Uh, so we went down there a lot as yeah. a kid growing up saltwater fishing. Um, so I was introduced at an early age to the outdoors and that's kind of what drove, I mean, you can, you can pick an outdoor activity. I've probably tried to dabble <laughs> in it at least once and probably have s- some sort of gear from it yep. somewhere in the closet. My, my wife likes to remind me all the time. <laughs> uh, right now it's all collecting dust except for the spear fishing stuff. Cause yep. it's, I mean, it's just taken the center stage for me. Right. Um, but then the working with my hands, my, my father, he's a, he's a builder, mm-hmm. uh, built houses, uh, custom houses down in Maryland. Oh, so okay. I grew up working for him, um, at an early age, I'd, middle school and high school, I'd spend the summers working for him. Mm-hmm. So I was working with tools. Um, and he had, he has a full shop as well. Um, okay. So I was, when, when spear fishing came around for me, mm-hmm. um, I got in the water, I had a pipe gun, just something very similar that a lot of guys start with. Um, right. They're relatively cheap and expensive. Um, they work really good. Um, but I got out on the I got out on the water. I started seeing these guys with wooden guns. I'm like, I got a wood shop. I I, I, I could do that. I could do that easy. <laughs> um, so that's kind of where it all started for the, at least the spear gun buildings. Yeah, yeah. Now, do you think? I mean, working with your hands, being in the outdoors, there's such a correlation there. It seems like with a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, I'm by no means. I don't think I'd be able to build a spear gun as, big, as good as you, but, um, you know, I, I do love working with my hands. I do love being in the outdoors and it's, it's fun to be able to kind of converse and chat with people mm-hmm. and relate to people with that because it seems like nowadays there's a, there's a distance from physically building something, yeah. right? So when you were working with your dad and doing that, do you think that there was a moment or maybe a, a time where it was like, man, this is actually something that I want to do because you went into your career as a marine engineer, right? And mm-hmm. and going to was it was it SUNY Maritime? No, it was the U.S. Merchant Marine. U.S. Uh, okay, yep, yeah, uh, yeah, the academy. It's um also known as Kings Point. Okay, yeah, it's actually right across the the Long Island Sound from SUNY Maritime. Oh, all right, big rivals. Where you got? Oh, you guys are rivals. Okay. Yeah, they people would sneak across the river and like paint <laughs> things on their rocks and yeah. Did, were they really? Yeah. Oh, were yeah. you ever part of that? Um, no, no. Wink, wink. Maybe, yeah, maybe. <laughs> so SUNY Maritime, I mean, that's just a perfect example of like, you know, kind of going through life in this stage, right? And when you went there, 
was it because you had a love for the ocean, engineering? You, you seem like a guy that you, you like to combine a lot of your hobbies. Well, that is pretty much a combination of that right there. Mm-hmm. Um, from an early age, I knew I wanted to be an engineer um, just from the standpoint of, I mean, I like, I like working on things. I like building things and mm-hmm. creating things. That's a big thing for me. Um, and so the, the engineering was just a, a good outlet for that creativity and being able to build and design things. Right. Um, but so I, I did, I, in high school, I started to think about it and there was, there was a bunch of ideas I had kicking around in my head. But then one day I was standing on the beach and I just had this aha moment that if I become a marine engineer, by definition, I more than likely will have to be near the water for the rest <laughs> of my life. Yeah. Cause that's where most marine engineering is, is right. on the water. Um, so that's kind of what led me down that path. And I mean, 20 years later, that's pretty much holding we're, true. We're still so, here. Yep. Yeah. 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 Still so. get to combine the love of the water with the love of building things. Mm-hmm. And now you work for a company that gets to build really cool things. Yep. Um, but as your career kind of progressed, it seems like you're a guy that has a lot of projects, mm-hmm. whether it be fly fishing, some sort of hobby, eventually building spear guns. Right. So do you think that aha moment really was something that catalyzed to where you are now? Like if you had done something else, if you had done what your dad does now, do you think you would have ended up doing something like building spear guns? Yeah. It just, yeah. I'm always just trying to <laughs> try new things and yeah. What was some of the weirdest things you've tried, you think, in the past? Oh, man. Well, I actually tried spear fishing. I, I actually tried spear fishing when I was in high school. I built my own pole spear. I okay. got like basically a sharpened stick with some surgical tubing. So <laughs> nice. Um, swam out past the breakers to a wreck. Um, dove down. Thought I was gonna get eaten by shark. Zero visibility. Knocked the mask off. Flooded it. Got Sweet. spooked and just boogied. Went <laughs> on home and decided never to do that again. Um, but no, I mean, I decided that one day that I wanted a, a classic car because I, I was I, I'm also into cars. So mm-hmm. decided to on relatively impulse by a 1970 Mustang and you mean what's behind us yeah right behind <laughs> us I've had that since I was in college oh wow yeah okay so you've had that for a while I've had that for a while and I've been piece by piece been rebuilding it because it was probably a terrible buy mm-hmm. I bought it for too much and I've literally rebuilt everything on the car including the motor and the transmission and the yep. rear end and the electrical system and I'm currently working on the bodywork but okay was working on the bodywork until spear guns <laughs> came along and yeah the second love, right? Yeah. So <laughs> nice. Yeah. I have this um, issue that whenever I see something, I'm like, oh, I, I could do, I could build that. So it's just, I could do that better. Yeah. So like bow hunting, we were talking about archery. Mm-hmm. I've tried to build a bow before. How to work out. Not as good as my spear guns, <laughs> but. So that's why we're doing spear guns. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to shift. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I like being on the water too. Yeah. That's a good combo. It's a good yeah. combo. What do you, do you think your dad's the one that gave you that? That, that like, oh, I can do that. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. What does he historically done stuff like that you're doing right now outside of construction? Yeah. Yeah. He has a 67 Impala SS that he's currently rebuilding from a pile of rust. Oh, wow. So um, it's a little bit more intense than my build. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely. Very cool. Very cool. So at some point, right, spearfishing became an interest of yours, right? Mm-hmm. So where did it all stem from? Because obviously you had your little bout when you were younger, mm-hmm. but later in life you found that spearfishing was your thing. And mm-hmm. I can kind of relate to that. So like not a lot of people have ever known this, but when I was growing up, boating was mm-hmm. not my thing. I didn't right. like the waves. I didn't like anything. Now I'm a boat captain and I do it for a living. And now yep. I'm talking to you about the water and everything. So it all kind of comes full circle. Yep. So when did it come full circle for you? Um, well, good friends of mine uh, were out 
we're they have a boat we're out regular line line and reel fishing mm -hmm. right out there um in out of Noank, connecticut mm -hmm. um going out to the race going for striper blues uh black sea bass um so we, we've been doing that for a while we also fly fish together mm -hmm. done treks up to the salmon river for um up in upstate new york or sure yep in pulaski new york yep um for the big salmon runs and steelhead runs which is pretty cool when we mm -hmm. do saltwater fly fishing as well um but i guess someone from work got him involved um in spearfishing was like hey you got to try this out I'm like <laughs> great another hobby let's right. go let's add it to the that, list that, that's kind of my thing let's go <laughs> um so i dropped my other new hobby at the time which was rock climbing which i was getting pretty in deep into rock climbing okay um and i just Pretty much, pretty much put that on the shelf and went out and got spear spear fishing gear yep. and that's all she wrote. <laughs> what does what, what I gotta ask? What does a wife think about all your hobbies? Uh, she laughs at him, <laughs> but but now she's like, oh, but you know, you're making spear guns, so it's like you're you're paying for it. So well, that's well, that's the thing is, um, <laughs> she she's the business major, so I started building spear guns, and she's mm -hmm. like, well, you should start. That's kind of how the business started. I. I started building spear guns here and there for some guys who randomly requested from, they saw some, some of my guns on social media mm -hmm. that I just bur built for my personal use. Right. Um, so, um, first guy actually was down in Texas. Really? Oh yeah. Down on the Gulf coast. That's wild. Yeah. He, out of the blue, he, he, I am me on, or DM me on Instagram was like, Hey, I want you to build me one of those guns. How much? I was like, all right, let's go. <laughs> so I, I built one of those and then some dive buddies started asking for guns. And yeah. then my wife's like, you know, if you're building these guns, you should probably make a company for this. And then right. I blame her for the company because she, <laughs> she'll start complaining about it. I'm like, this was your idea. This is your idea. This is your yeah. fault. <laughs> so yeah, it started, it started from there and I'll see. And then I started the marketing side of things, which I'm an engineer and I, I build things and the marketing thing really wasn't something I ever thought would be interesting. I just thought it would be a byproduct of having a business, Right. it's actually become really fun. And I've, it's, it's a whole different aspect of the whole business ownership and the process that I, I I really like, like coming up with the uh, the different promotional ca campaigns, being creative and being, whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just a different spin on that being creative thing. Right, so. right. So, do you think that I mean, her kind of pushing to do that and and being like, huh, you know what? Taking that same attitude, that same mentality of like, oh, I think I can do that, you know, mm -hmm. and applying it to a business. Those first initial steps. What did that look like, and how is that different from? you know, pursuing a hobby mm -hmm. that you just do for fun versus doing something as like a, a side hustle. Yeah, no, it, it was, it was hectic. Mm -hmm. Um, I started researching what it would take to make a business and establish an LLC. Mm -hmm. Um, actually established the LLC on my daughter's due date, which was fun. Did so, you really? Yeah. <laughs> so that was, like I said, it was hectic. Yeah. Um, but of course it, it, it was kind of, it kind of grew. So I, I established the business. Um, but as it is a side hustle, there was no need to immediately grow it. And it's kind of just been this, um, um, organic growth as, as I build the guns and the, the guns improve and I get a little bit more presence in the spearfishing right. uh, market, it kind of, my skills kind of have matched the progression in the demand. So yeah, it's kind of been an organic growth. So interesting. Yeah. yeah. And now that first gun that you sent to that guy, as you're building it, where you're like, man, how do I, I built one for myself, mm -hmm. but how do I manipulate it in a way that like, A, it, it makes sense monetarily, right? Like putting all the parts together, mm -hmm. sourcing them. What did that initial process look like for you? Um, I didn't think too much about that, which is probably why I lost <laughs> money on that gun. Um, it was more of a learning process. Yeah. Um, definitely 
probably broke even on that gun in, on a good day. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it really was, I was concerned about, hey, I built this gun for myself and it functions, but someone's paying me a decent amount of money mm-hmm. for this gun. Is, there was a, a moment of que- self-questioning there. It was like, is it good enough to say, give me the, a couple hundred bucks for this thing? Right. And then the product, like, I get, when I sent it out, I was I was nervous as heck because I, I, I just didn't. It was putting myself out there. Like you just gave me a significant amount of money. Yeah. And here's this thing I made. Right. I, I was always I was wondering like, is it, is it going to be enough? Like, is, is it he, worth is, it? Yeah. Is he going to think it's worth it? Because it works, but is he going to think this is the quality that he gave me the right. money for? Right. Um. He he seemed pretty excited about it, and six months later he bought another gun. So <laughs> I guess it was all news. right. Yeah. Yeah. But looking back at those early guns, oh man, oh man, there I've come come away on them. So come, come yeah. away, transitioned a little yeah. bit. As yeah. we were saying beforehand, uh, every gun I feel like is that I build is is my best gun because I just take the lessons learned from the previous gun and roll them into it. So, mm-hmm. what do you think? Some of the like, what would be an example of a lesson that you've learned from just the, just the building side of it? Um, I think it's more of a sequence thing. Um, mm-hmm. I actually wrote down my sequence back here on my bench. Did you really? Um, okay. Yeah. So it's. The the guns that I've built, we were looking at them. They have that the new ones have that distinct cuddle ship fate, mm-hmm. uh, cuttlefish shape. Yep. Um, and those they're great, but however, there are specific steps you have to do before you make shape it, like mm-hmm. drill the pins that hold the mechanism in place. Because once you put the curvature of it, there's no way to reference the gun in the drill press to say this is 90 degrees from the front face or the, uh, the top okay. face. Yeah. Um, ask me how I know that mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get really creative on that one. Um, was that an expensive mistake? No, no? I, I was able to recover it. Okay. I, that's actually a, a joke in woodworking is good work. Woodworkers aren't actually good work woodworkers. They just know how to cover up their mistakes better. Right. <laughs> um, so that, that's really a big thing is the learning how to deal with mistakes. Yeah. Um, cause they do happen when you're woodworking. And right. You don't want to throw away something you put hours of work into and a yeah. lot of, a decent amount of money. in. so, yeah, well, especially when it's, everything is custom. Right. right. It's yeah. not like you're just churning these things out. Right. And you got, you know, a jig set up. I mean, any you use some jigs here and oh, there, yeah. but you're not just like scratching it out and it's done. Right. right. Uh, a lot of the new, gu- the new guns I'm building are hand shaped. So mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a, a decent amount of hand effort that's going to have to go into fixing that mistake if I decide to trash it. <laughs> so. Right. Right. So as you kind of started to construct these spear guns, I mean, take me a little bit through your your process itself, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you start with a piece of wood. Mm-hmm. You then take those pieces of wood and sometimes you laminate them maybe or yep. you shape them by hand. But give me like the, I don't know, the 10-second run, not 10-second, but yeah. the, the rundown yeah, of no, like what does sure. that look like? Yeah, I go source the uh, the wood. Teak, I, I usually, usually use teak or paduk. Um, comes in the pieces I buy are these, these pieces that are three-quarter inch thick, mm-hmm. um, which is definitely not thick enough to be a spear gun. Um, you laminate them together and that adds rigidity as well. Okay. Um, especially cause like the expanding and contraction of the wood as it gets wet and then dried. Sure. Um, having the more laminations allows it to be a little bit more stable, mm-hmm. uh, dimensionally stable. Um, so I cut those out and then laminate them all together to make what we call a rough blank. Okay. Let that cure for a while. Cause it let the epoxy has to, has to cure. That's another lesson learned there. <laughs> don't let it cure. You're, if you don't let it cure, you're going to have issues. Um, <laughs> And then once that cures, two weeks time type time frame, I throw it through a thickness planer and then get it into a a, a perfectly square mm-hmm. or ninety degree angles on all sides. 
And from there, I start putting in the the actual working components. So the the trigger mechanism, the handle. Yep. Um, you got to mortise those all in, which is mostly um, a mechanized process using drill presses and routers and stuff like that. Okay. Um, get the the groove or the the track cut in using the router. Yep. Um. And then I rough cut the shape using a bandsaw. Well, my ban- old bandsaw caught on fire, so I have to cut it by hand these days. It caught on fire. Oh, yeah. I, How I, was that day? Um, expensive. <laughs> but I was looking for an excuse to buy a new bandsaw, so yep. it, was, it was like, oh, wow, I guess I got to buy a bandsaw now. It's, it's a write-off, right? Yeah. I just got to sell a few more guns to cover the cost. <laughs> so right now I'm cutting by hand, yep. um, which takes a little bit more time. But Sure. But it's truly a handmade gun at that it, point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, then I cut it down to the rough shape. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, it is all hand planes and chisels to get it that final, that final shaping. That final look. Yep. So, you know, I'm sure there's quite a few other guys out there that are building spear guns. And then you have bigger companies that are mm-hmm. building spear guns and, you know, manufacturer guns. What do you think makes your gun different mm-hmm. than a gun that, out, that is out there? Yeah, well, that, I guess that's a two-part question. From the, the manufacturer side of things, the, the gun that I, I'm presenting um, to the market is really a gun that I work with on a one, one-on-one basis to basically set up with the customer. Someone calls me up and they said, Hey, I want a gun. I'm in, I'm in New Jersey and I'm hunting, hunting the jetties. We mm-hmm. have bad visibility. So I'll work with them to, to dial in the length that they want. Right. Usually so a lot of times they have a, uh, an idea of what they want. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's like, Hey, what would you, what would you use in this instance? Sure. So I work with them to get a length, which that's where everything starts. Mm-hmm. And we start talking about the rigging configurations. Are they going to have a real gun on it? Are you going to have a slip or they're going to have a reel on it? You're going to have slip tips on it. It's going to be double single wrapped. Mm-hmm. Um, is it going to be rear handle or mid handle? So the mid handles, a lot of people use for maneuverability also it brings the muzzle a little bit closer to your, your eye. So when you're in a, a bad visibility, you're going to be, you can see the actual see the end of the tip because right. I've been in instances where I'm holding a 90 centimeter gun and I can't see the end of it. No way. Oh yeah, it's classic Rhode Island. Yeah, it's Rhode, <laughs> Rhode Island. Um, so dialing in the dimensions and the actual the the gun, and then then we start talking about color combinations because um, some people like to keep it basic and mm-hmm. other other guys like to go crazy with their color schemes, which is fun because it's a custom gun. You can build it whatever you want. Right. And it, I mean, the color doesn't, doesn't matter. It's not going to change the, the cost of it, but it, it's something that you can you're, add your touch to it. Yeah. Um, What's the most unique gun you think you've built to date? The most unique gun I built to date, um, call it the Miami Vice gun. Oh, got, I remember that. You yeah. tell me that. Yeah, It's yeah. got pink bands and a, 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 a like electric blue handle. Heck yeah. Um, I'm a- actually building an acid, acid green, like an alien green okay. gun right now. Um, that's pretty wicked. Yeah, so you, people can get can, can get wild with their color combinations. Um, but then also, then I start I, I've started to do wood burning on all, uh, a lot of the guns. A lot of guys like that to put the fish on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do that all by hand. Just draw up the fish myself on a piece of paper and transfer it to the wood. And right. Um, it definitely pre- presents a pretty unique gun w- w- at the end of the day. So yeah. yeah. Now after you've kind of gone through, because you've built you know dozens and dozens mm-hmm. of guns at this point. Yeah. What has been, you know, if I'm someone that's looking for a gun mm-hmm. and I'm coming to you, what would be the right question to ask you? Because, you know, I, recently, I'll give you an example. So I, I recently went to the archery trade show mm-hmm. for, for an event for work. And, you know, to tell you the truth, I'm a, I'm a boat captain. I'm a fisherman. I'm a saltwater guy. Mm-hmm. If I get anywhere now, I love going backpacking, packing and hiking and out in the woods and exploring. But when it comes to like bow hunting, I'm an idiot. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know anything. Yeah. 
But I was like, you know what? I should probably go because I'm going to be at an archery trade show. Yeah. I should probably go to an, a bow shop mm-hmm. and get fitted mm-hmm. just so I know like what I'm talking about right. to, a, to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah. And so I went and I literally went in there. I was like, I know nothing. Please tell me something. Yeah. And uh, that's that's all I got. Uh-huh. So if if I'm coming at you, you know, you know, I have done some spear fishing in the past. What what would be the right question to ask if I'm looking for a custom gun? Exactly. Uh, that's easy. It's target species and location. Mm-hmm. Um, everything has every gun. Every location has. Well, of course, you're gonna have your 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 native species. Um, but then also the conditions really really pay. A, play a big factor in gun design mm-hmm. um are you going to be in really really deep clear water like hawaii you're going to want a really long gun right um that can reach out and touch those fish because they're not going to be closer in mm-hmm. whereas in rhode island you're going to have we talked earlier about the visibility the fish are going to be close in you're not going to need a you're not going to need a long range sniper rifle for right. those fish you can't you're not going to shoot a tatog from 20 feet away well, yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe if you have good visibility, <laughs> maybe, but those, those guys are going to come in real close and you're not going to see them until they pop out of the rocks right in your face. So you're going to want a really maneuverable short gun. Right. Um, so that, that's really the first uh, step. And you kind of build on that as you go along. Yeah. Um, but it really, it's location and target species. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I mean, Rhode Island is such a unique place, but you're right. Like visibility absolutely sucks here. You know, yeah, there's some good days. There are there. some good days. There's some amazing days. There are some really right. great days. And it's funny because, you know, kind of like our conversation yesterday, we were talking mm. on the phone about like the earn your summer mentality oh, yeah. of, you know, you can apply that same concept to spearfishing in Rhode Island oh, where yeah. the really clear days, you appreciate them even more. Oh, 100%. Because all the other days are pretty crappy, yep. usually. You know, yep. and same thing like the, in the wintertime. It's snowing out right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, yesterday was 60 degrees. That was wild. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. Um, but it's those days of, you know, cold and dreary, and I haven't seen the sun in, you know, 10 days, that it makes you appreciate that warm spring day that you can finally put a T-shirt on oh, yeah. and, you know, go outside. Yeah. Right? Um, but Rhode Island does the same thing. Mm-hmm. Now, you're originally from Maryland. Yep. And then you migrated up to Rhode Island for work, right? Mm-hmm. What What made you stay? And, and why spearfish here? Because, I mean, I mean, obviously you're here for work. Yep. But spearfishing in Florida, spearfishing in Hawaii, two different things. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I didn't. Of course, I didn't. I found spearfishing once I was up here. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think I stayed because I love we're in South County. I love South County. It's yeah, just, you can't beat it. You can't. I mean, I just love the the ability we have. Arcadia right up here. We have the the. I'm, I'm live on twenty twenty five acres, and mm-hmm. I can hunt and fish and do all that here. But I'm a very short drive from the beach, and being on the ocean, um, the spear fishing is unreal. Um, I think it's kind of a hidden gem. Mm-hmm. I've through through spear fishing, I've met a lot of guys from Florida. I mean, most guys who spear fish in the U.S. are probably from Florida, right? Um, and if you're not from Florida and you spear fish, then you go to Florida to spear fish. Um, but they've come up here. To, they went. Uh, this one guy took a trip. He's a, actually a spear fishing guy down in Florida. Okay, down in the Keys. So legendary fishery down there, right? Yeah. Um, but him and I were t- chatting, and he was like, "Dude." The, the, fi- the fishing you have up here is unreal. The fishery, like <laughs> the striper, the black sea bass, the tatog, the scup. He's like, you guys have everything up here. Yeah. And it just, he's like, I, I never even thought that fishing would be that good up here. And it's like, 
Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. It, it it really it's a hidden gem, and yeah, you know you kind of want to you want to tell people about it, but at the same time you don't want to tell people yeah. about it, right? Yeah, I mean the summers are already pretty crowded. Here. They are pretty they're, crowded. They're awful. Everyone yeah. from New York and Connecticut <laughs> and Massachusetts, but it's like the local summer, like between oh, September October. Yep, men. Yeah, right? middle of September, sitting on the beach, an abandoned beach is my favorite because it's still warm out. The water yeah. temperatures are as warm as they're going to get. Right, despite popular belief. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Know? Like October, September, end of September and October, exactly. the water is phenomenal. Oh, yeah. You know, it's it's warmer than it would be in July. Oh, it, exactly, because it's been all summer heating and it cools down the way slow. I, right. I love the I love jumping in October once the air starts to get cool, but the mm-hmm. water is still warm. Yep. Oh, man. I mean, rel- warm is a relative. relative right, 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 relatively. It's not Hawaii 80 degrees warm. Yeah. Yeah, I remember working out there. People would be in wetsuits. You know, I'm yeah. in like board shorts. Oh in, yeah, in no shirt. And oh like, yeah, aren't you cold? And I'm like, no, it's it's like a bathtub. Yeah, it's- we were. I was out there last week, and it was you know January, February time frame, and I did dawn patrol surfing, and yeah. I was out there in board shorts and a rash guard. There's guys in wetsuits, and I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> People are bundling up yeah. to go to the beach. Yeah, it's so. Oh funny. man, it's 75 degrees out. Yeah, exactly. It's nuts. But um, so Rhode Island, I mean, it's such a special spot. And I know mm-hmm. I, I talk about it a lot on this mm-hmm. show just because, I mean, shit, it's kind of where I've grown up. Yep. And there's just, there's little bits and pieces of every place in the United States that's in this state. And it's yeah, so small, definitely. so compact that if you're an outdoorsman, you could pretty much do whatever you want. Yep. You know, spearfishing, fly fishing, hunting, hiking. I mean, the hiking's relatively yeah. it's okay it's all know. right you I go mean, to new hampshire though you yeah know? Uh, but arcadia is great yeah but you know spearfishing is kind of this special sport you know because mm-hmm. rod and reel you're in i watched i watched the the recent episode of meat eater right mm-hmm. yeah and steven ranella you know in the previous one was with my buddy danny who's also been on the show the the he made this really great point where rod and reel fishing you're kind of enticing the fish to come over, right? Yeah. And you're wondering what you're going to get. You don't really know. Right. But a spear fisherman is really embedding themselves into the environment. And oh, it's, yeah. It's like a bow hunter. Oh, yeah. Right? Or, or, or a, you know, going with a rifle. It's, it's another level of going after some game. Mm-hmm. And that's what I loved about it. And, and I love being able to go up to a, and be embedded in their environment and go up to a, a Tatog mm-hmm. that I can remember this smaller Tatog coming up and I had my, uh, my pole spear. Mm-hmm. I was at like half, maybe full draw, just kind of looking, peeking around rocks and whatnot. And this little, this little baby Tatog comes up and like rubs its you know, body on my pole <laughs> spear. I'm like, man, Oof. dude, it's not, it's not what you want to be doing, but yeah. I'll let you live. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's a special spot, yeah. you know, and, and spearfishing is one of those sports that is kind of like unlike anything else. Right. So you having been doing this for a while and in a lot of ways ushering other people into it with your mm-hmm. guns, I mean, how does that make you feel being able to kind of give someone the opportunity to go and, and be a part of the sport? Well, it's something that's very passionate to me, just the entire experience. I mean, I'll be out on the water all day. If we don't shoot a fish, I'm still, it's just like, oh, what a day. Like right. we were talking about Hawaii. I didn't even see a fish I could shoot, but it was still like an amazing day just to be on the water. Mm-hmm. Um, but being able to share that with someone and just, I, I've taken friends out before. who've never been spearfishing before. And they're, they're like just blown away. And it, they're, they're like a, a little kid on Christmas, their first Christmas that they can remember. Right. They're like, oh my God, this, did you see that? Like fish, he just came right up to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and being able to, like relive that first time that I had that experience is just really cool. So, right. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no matter what, you know, any day on a boat is a better day in the office, mm. unless it's like a hurricane. Yeah. You know, but just, I mean, that's just level three fun. That, heard the, you've heard of the level, the levels of fun? <laughs> Do explain. I, I, I'm somewhat familiar. Yeah. Level, level one fun is just fun in the moment. <laughs> level two fun is not fun while it's occurring, but it's fun looking back. Okay. Level three fun probably isn't fun. <laughs> But, but like like backpacking, you say you, you backpack. Like, yeah. have you ever been like like a third of the way into a really arduous hike, and you're just like, "Why am I doing this?" It's and it's your miserable. You're questioning your entire decision making right. process that got you into that position. Right. You're like day one of a three day trek up a mountain in the cold, and you can't feel your toes and your legs feel like <laughs> lead. You're like this is awful. But then you get back to the car, and you're like, "That was awesome. That Let's was do so it again." Fun. That's level two fun. That's yeah. a really good point. Yeah. I can remember being backpacking with my buddy Drew. We're in Yellowstone and I think we're in day two mm -hmm. and we're doing like a five day stint. And uh, we did not prepare as well as we should have. That happens. And, yeah, of course, <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> we learn as we go. Oh, yeah. And uh, we were on this one long, long span and I ran out of water. Uh -huh. Now, Drew. You know, and my buddy Tyler over there, he knows Drew really well as well, who's kind of man on the cameras. Drew is someone that can go and eat nothing. Mm -hmm. He can drink nothing for the entire day. He's like a camel. He's like a camel. Uh -huh. Me, I need to eat every like two hours or I'll just collapse. <laughs> and uh, so I drank all my water within like the first, you know, five yeah. miles of that day. Meanwhile, Drew's, and I'm like, Drew, can I have some of your water? He's like, no, you can't have any of my water. I'm like, yeah. understandable. It's a good friend. <laughs> a good friend. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> You know, it, it was, it, it's like moments like that. You're like, all right, well, this sucks, but I just saw a bald eagle fly mm. by and catch a salmon in the river, mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, man, this is level two fun, Yeah. you know? But level three fun, I mean, it is kind of fun to oh, be on a hurricane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, surfing the hurricane. Why yeah. not? Yeah. Some danger. Yeah, no, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's I, I mean, I enjoyed level three fun. Yeah. Have you ever had any level three fun or level two fun out in, uh, out in a spearfishing event? Um, Spear fishing, I wouldn't even classify it as fun. It was definitely a um I had a I had a pretty interesting injury. Um Oh really? Yeah, last year or two years ago I think it was two years ago now. Um I was diving. Um and a big thing about spear fishing, we, we wear these these really, really tight wetsuits. They're mm -hmm. um open cell wetsuit, which means there's raw neoprene on inside. Right. Um so they seal up really, really good. Um it was like the first dive of the day. Um but I've always had an ear clearing issue that I've, mm. I've since worked through. Um, but being, being able to hit depth for me is, is something that I've had to work, work on my, my clearing my ears. Um, so anyway, I dive down to 40 feet, tag the bottom, look around. like, all right, well, I'm off the reef because we're doing a drift, mm -hmm. uh, drift dive. So I pop up, we reposition. And the next dive, I go down and hit 40 feet, and I'm clearing the whole way down. I'm like, oh, okay, we're good there. Um, I get down to 40 feet and turn my head to start scanning, looking for fish. Mm -hmm. um, and I hear this whooshing noise and mm. I got this crazy vertigo, um, complete. I don't even know which way is up. Now I'm 40 feet under the water. Right. Don't know problem. which way is up. Um, this is level four, not fun. Yeah, this, this, is, this <laughs> is just, this is becoming a dire situation. Right. Um, so I eventually start swimming what I think is up and then I see a, a jellyfish go by me like this. I'm like, oh, that's, that's not up. So I reoriented myself using the jellyfish. Hit the no surface, way. get all, get on the boat. I mean, my ears all like in pain. It's yeah. just really stuffy. It's really muffled. Um, so I don't die the rest of the day. Go see an ear, no, nose, and throat specialist. Um, and I, I, 
it was something that I, I couldn't, and eventually it healed through just through the healing process. Right. It, I didn't seriously damage it or didn't, didn't permanently damage it. But through that learning process, or so I sat there and I, I was, I, I could never figure out why that happened. Mm. Um, until one day I was diving and I'd just done a warm up dive. And I, I went down to like 10 or 15 feet and I heard a whooshing noise, same mm. exact noise. I'm like, okay, here, here comes the vertigo again. Yeah. It didn't happen. But what had happened, what I, I, that was an aha moment. The, the hood had sealed up around the side of my face so, so much that when I, as I went down that initial dive, I was clearing my ears and there wasn't any water in my hood to equalize against. Oh, when I hit the bottom at 40, so my ears hadn't equalized the, to the pressure. When I hit 40 feet and started to turn my head, the, the, it basically re- released the water in. And then I had a, a big overpressure event on one ear. Interesting. Um, but now, so, now so I poke holes in my wetsuits at the ears. So. Do you really? Yeah, it's a, it's a common thing. It's just a lot of people do. Some people, a lot of people don't. A lot of people do it. Huh. Um, but it's definitely a lesson learned. Yeah, there, so. big lesson learned for yeah. sure. Yeah, that's something that I've always struggled with. I've had ear problems since I was a little kid. And, you know, that's part of the reason why I can't go mm-hmm. too too deep yeah. because i've blown eardrums like i don't know probably five times <laughs> at this yeah. point and and it just becomes like not fun yeah you know no um, as you know but um it's definitely something that you know i want to be able to get a little bit deeper 20 feet is like my yeah my max you can shoot a lot of fish between zero and 20 feet you can that's we actually sure. as a joke all my friends all my dive buddies had what, what they called the waitlist challenge okay uh, with me because of course that was that was in what august time mm-hmm. frame and we still had the better part we have August, September, and into October. Right. Me diving, and I had, I had the doctor said, don't even try to dive for another at least three months. I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, well, I don't want to not dive. Right. So I didn't put a weight belt on and float around the surface and just rock hop. <laughs> I won the weightless challenge. Did you really? Yeah. yeah, it was a, it was a big joke that Matt, like Matt's gonna shoot the biggest fit. We were all headed out one time, and everyone's joking that Matt's gonna. It was the first time since my injury. Yeah. Now, so I wasn't diving. So all I could do was literally stick my head under the water. You're just floating around. Floating around. And they're all they're did, all diving, trying to beat me. I ended up pulling the biggest tog out of the rock. Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where was this? Um, I'm not gonna burn spots. Oh my god. All right. I'll take you there though. All right. Off fair camera. Enough. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. I'll, if I can just float around yeah. and catch a tog, oh. I'll be a happy man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very cool. So, you know, as we kind of bring this thing to a close and, you know, Ocean State Spear Guns, you're how many years in at this point? Um, my the business is about a year and a half, almost two years. Two years yeah. old. So with two years under your belt in, you know, a boatload of spear fishing, pun intended, what is it that you think you've learned from both being in the water, having a company? And kind of merging those things together. Um, what have I learned? I've learned a lot. I've learned pretty much everything along the way mm-hmm. by messing it up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the thing is, but by merging your the the passion and the business side of things and the my, my creativity, it's really created something that I just. I think the the quality and the, the the end product is just a product of my the the passion that goes into it. If if this was if I was doing this and I didn't like spearfishing, it would kind of suck. Right. And I definitely wouldn't do this as a side hustle, <laughs> and I definitely couldn't do it for a, a full time job. So. Right. Right. So. And you know, I I, I as we we're kind of meandering around your shop, mm-hmm. setting things up, what really kind of um, you know, sparked a thought in my head was every gun that you make is a better version of the one you did before. One hundred percent. You know, and uh-huh. it's just that growth 
of just 1% better, 1% mm -hmm. better. Oh, yeah. Is that something you try and apply elsewhere? Uh, everywhere. That's just kind of, that's the engineer part of me. Mm -hmm. Is uh, Actually, at work, I'm, for a long time, I was in charge of a lessons learned database. So I literally really? would write down lessons learned <laughs> and try to apply them to the, the, to the workforce. So that's just like an innate in my nature, I guess. Right. So. You're just wired that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So Ocean State Spear Guns, what do you see for the, the future as we kind of keep, keep making guns, learning lessons, diving? Mm -hmm. what's, what do you see for the next five years, you think? Um, I, there's, still, there's still a lot to learn. Um, from the business side of things, I'm not a business major by any means. So that, that's been a, that's been a challenge. I've been learning that side of things. Mm -hmm. Um, and what ways do you think, obviously you, you got spear gunning, mm -hmm. you know, being an engineer, you got that down pat. Mm -hmm. What on the business side do you think is something that you need to improve on? I'm learning the marketing thing. I think, um, just the creativity and the passion has driven a lot of, um, social media engagement, which mm -hmm. is definitely, it's kind of been the nucleus of my, the, the company mm -hmm. uh, is the social media and the social media engagement. That's, that's a pretty easy way for me to get my name, the name of the brand out there. Right. Um, but learning how to do it a little bit more formally. Um, mm. my, the good thing is my wife is in, uh, she's a marketing professional. So perfect. Yeah. So Family I actually, I, I do, I do lean on her a lot for that. Um, but um, also from this, the business side of things, I'm still in the, the, the growth process as far as establishing a shop. When I first started this, I didn't have a shop. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's completely worlds different now than it was. It was mm -hmm. a garage full of tools that I could use. Right. Um, but now I, I've, I've started to, to learn and apply like the, the flow path of like I, I have a, a workshop, a set. I have a rigging station. Mm -hmm. um, I have a bench for like all the shaping. I'm in the process of building this bench right here um, in front of us. That, that's that's purpose built to hold spear guns end to end so I can do full pass, um, planes on them. Oh, very cool. Shaping. Um, so I'm, I'm, de I'm still definitely deep in the developing the shop layout. Um, and I told like my, my bands all, uh, exploded or caught on fire. <laughs> um, I'm still in the process of setting up the, those, those core tools in, in locations. This, this bench behind me right here, uh, with the miter station and the the router built into it, that's all that's all new new for the shop. So yeah, I was gonna say it looks pretty sweet yeah. walking in. It's still it's still in process. Eventually there'll be doors here, and but I mean right now it's functional, so it stopped. I stopped working on it because it's functional. <laughs> it works. We're it'll done. probably come back in five years. It'll probably look the same because <laughs> it still works. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Well, Matt, hey, it's um it's been great being able mm -hmm. to come here in your shop, hang out, kind of brave the elements with yeah. the snow coming down, and. uh yeah, I'm excited to be able to get on the water with you this summer. Yeah, it's going to be it. fun. We'll get you on my boat. I'll go on yours, whatever. Uh -huh. And uh, But last but not least, where can people learn more about Ocean State Spear Guns? Yeah. You, Engage, how can they get one? What, what can we yeah, do? Yeah, so I, I have a web, website. That's one of the first things I started off with, um, um, OceanStateSpearGuns.com. Mm -hmm. um, I also have Facebook and Instagram. Um, I try to stay pretty active on that. I think we were talking about that beforehand. I'm, I just... It's, pretty much a, a conglomeration of just posts about woodworking, spearfishing, regular types of fishing, being on the water in general and mm -hmm. being in Rhode Island. Um, so it's kind of just a little slice of ocean state spear guns. Love it. So, um, yeah, if, if you, if there's any questions, just, uh, reach out to me via DM on Instagram or Facebook for that matter, or just go to the website and there's a contact form there. Um, yeah. Sweet. Awesome. Yep. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate Thank, you coming on. Thanks you for coming out. I know it was a hike halfway <laughs> across the state. That's right. It's over 20 minutes. Oh, man. <laughs> man that's a tough one. It's a tough one.
Thank you guys for tuning into this episode of Along the Keel. If you want to learn more about how Ocean State Spear Guns has come to be, you can check out their website, OceanStateSpearGuns.com. You can also go over and support them by liking, sharing, and following everything on their social media accounts, Facebook and Instagram. And if you want to pick up something nice for the summertime, which is just around the corner, you can head over and grab all the gear you need for a life by the coast at alongthekeel.com. Make sure to sign up for our newsletter, and we will see you out on the water. But before I go, as always, make sure to work hard, do good, be incredible, and have an awesome day.